Hi guys, welcome back to Into the Light, uh, a different life story, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview because I've got Romina Cavagnola here with me. Romina is a woman who is a wordsmith of the, of the highest nature and she loves her words so much that she has made a living out of it. So Romina, I'm so pleased that you're here on my show. I'm humbled and thank you so much. Welcome, Romina. Stefan, thank you for having me. It's really great to be here. <laughs> now, you have got such beautiful labels that I didn't want to butcher. So <laughs> how, how do you call yourself? How would you describe yourself if you stand in, in a dinner party next to someone and says, oh, what are you doing? Well, I would say to them, I am a sole copywriter, a story crafter, and a publisher. Very nice. Yes. And with that, you already <laughs> have got three different angles. And it's so do, beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I went with sole copy because that is just... I, th I feel that that really captures what I do with my clients when we work on their content together. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's more than just copywriting. It's really drawing out the essence of what they want to say and then writing words in their voice and, and weaving that essence through it. So I, I refer to that as soul copy. Um, hence the, hence the label. Um, and story crafter is really just about helping my clients going through the process of connecting with their story, identifying what are the elements of it, what are the themes and what is the core message of their story and then crafting their story around those pillars. Um, so it's really all about the process and the way that I work and well, publisher is pretty, pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> because life is complicated enough as it is, as, as you have found out in your journey, um, mm. It's all quite fine. I'm nearly pregnant. Yes, I paid my child. And then everything turns to bloody custard. And yeah, <laughs> that was your story in a nutshell. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and, but then again, you actually changed and you, you became the new and improved version. Uh, and you said, hey, come on, I like storytelling as it is. Why don't I become a publisher? Uh, that takes balls. <laughs> not bad, not bad. <laughs> Have you got yeah. a background? Have you got a background in publishing or? I do actually. Ah, yes. So yes, where, I do. <laughs> so where did where was that coming from? Did where did you work there? Oh well, okay. Well, I guess that I mean it's somewhat of a long story. But <laughs> I originally I, I've always loved writing, and I wanted to do something with writing, but I had that. Um, Oh, but, you know, writing is not a secure job kind uh, of, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> um, and so in the end, I studied my undergrad as um, arts information systems and, and ended up working in an IT graduate program after that. And in the middle, well, in the middle of that degree, I had a bit of a nervous breakdown. Oh, my God, what am I going to be when I finish this? Because it's not the same as you study medicine, you're a doctor, you study law and you're a lawyer. Mm. At the end of this, you're like just a person who can talk to tech people and non-tech people. I'm like, what, what even is that? Mm. Um, but it was actually a really useful set of skills that I gained from that. But during the graduate program, I started to have that similar feeling of this is not really what I'm meant to be doing. And the most interesting thing about this is writing user manuals. You don't study IT and go and work in IT if you want to write user manuals, right? And so <laughs> I started exploring what else I could do because I was also in the middle of doing a postgrad 
project management degree at the time. And I thought that's also something that's not really um, making me feel alive. It's just something I feel like I should do. And I went back to uni and started with a sort of like media and communications um, degree. And in one of those classes, one of the guys was doing this degree that for some reason I had not found, Master of Publishing. And I thought, why did I not find this degree? And, you know, what, what's what's in this degree? And I went and looked at this course and it sounded amazing. I thought, that's it. I'm changing into this course. And that kind of was the start of that of that journey of being able to work in that space of, of content and in publishing area. And as, as a result of, of doing that, I ended up working on a community project that my um, ex-husband created. We were, we were engaged at the time and he was doing a leadership program. And part of that was to create a community project some, some kind of way to impact the community, your chosen community. And he was inspired by his grandmother's stories. And she had these amazing stories from Spain and she would always tell them to everybody. And he thought, wouldn't it be great if we could do this for more people? And I said, that sounds amazing. I'm going to publish that. <laughs> so we kind of, that's how we started. We started this project, went, went on for about seven years. We ended up with three volumes of, of that book and they were all collections of stories from senior citizens. And the intention behind that was to preserve their stories and, and their legacies really, to, to leave that wisdom and that experience that is so completely different to what we have mm. these days to the younger generations. And so true. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and and it was, you know, through that process of, of producing the book and then having these little launch events for the people who were in it and the team members, we, we were all volunteers. We published this by um, getting grants from our council, by our fundraising, by putting in some money ourselves and, you know, family and friends um, sort of all pitching in to pay for the publishing costs, like the, the printing costs and, and um, what we did then was we gave copies to the seniors and also to the team members and then we sold the rest for for um charity like for fundraising mm. and and throughout that process we had actually lost a couple of the seniors and mm. in those moments we really understood and, and in particular really connected with that the 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 importance of preserving stories and I actually had a a very timely reminder yesterday I actually attended the funeral of one of those um, seniors, she was my next door neighbor for 30 years, um, at my parents' home. And that, that was a really humbling experience because during the eulogy, her grandson mentioned this book that, you know, one of his aunts had told him about. And I thought, oh gosh, I know what he's talking about. And then he went on to make clear what this book was. And I thought, wow, that's the impact that we had in not only her life, but in her family's life. And you know, goosebumps. yeah, goosebumps, right? <laughs> it was amazing, and it's just such such a um, kind of like a, a validation of what I've chosen to do with my my work is is you know being in that moment and seeing you know there is such a power in preserving story. There's such an impact that you leave mm -hmm. in in the world. You make that mark, you know, and 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 I basically had that sort of flame burning from that moment, from when we made that first book, mm. um, which was over a decade ago now. And I held on to that and I worked in corporate. I, you know, worked in publishing support. I worked in content development and all these different spaces. 
that none felt really aligned with me. And eventually I was made redundant from the last job that I had, took some time off deliberately. And then I realized I wasn't going to find a job that fit my, my checklist because it didn't exist. And I was tired basically of checking my values at the door <laughs> to get a paycheck. And then I broke my ankle and I sprained the other ankle at the same time, <laughs> which okay. was fun. You're a bit of an overachiever, aren't you? <laughs> just, a, just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so it was the most ridiculous incident. I was, I was basically having a hissy fit because my son was having a hissy fit. And so I had him in my arms. I was stomping off back to our apartment, which was across the road from our apartment. And I didn't look where I was stepping. And I basically slipped off the edge of those really high heritage curbs oh. um and I fell and I twisted so that I wouldn't land on him yeah. and snap right oh. <laughs> so, um that was interesting so as a result of that I ended up living with my parents for six weeks while I recovered enough to be able to go back upstairs to my home and it was during that time that my dad said hey so how's your job search going and I'm like <laughs> no job search no um and so he said why don't you try the freelance writing you've been talking about that for quite a while you know maybe this is a good time to try and I said that doesn't really seem like a secure thing to be pursuing and he's looking at me going you don't have a job what are you losing exactly what are you risking <laughs> to try that um and so it's kind of like, you know, that, you know, when your dad's right, he's right. And you can't like do anything about it. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Okay. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, next minute I had a website and two clients and it kind of evolved from there, but it, it was again, not really what I was meant to be doing. And as I went through that journey of, you know, niching and finding my ideal client and the kind of people that I felt best um, I could help, I went from just doing freelance blogging to, uh, sort of content coaching around um, women entrepreneurs, so helping them come come up with ways to create their content that felt empowering and that didn't feel overwhelming and frustrating. And you sit there going, "I need to, I must write content right now," and you know nothing's coming out, and they're freaking out, and they're like, "I hate content <laughs> because it's not easy." And um, that felt way more aligned. But I just thought I kept coming back to this idea of books and this idea of story, and how do I do this? on my own? How do I do this? Not as an employee of a publishing house. How do mm. I do this? Mm. You know? And I sat with it for a whole year before I finally decided to start my publishing company. And what finally inspired me to do it was I, I saw this whole, um, there's this phenomenon moment with multi-author books. And I, it's basically the same thing as what we did with the, the mm. anthologies that, mm. that we did. And I thought, okay, well, I know how to do that but I don't want to do it the same as everything that I'm seeing. I want to create my own unique thing. And what is it that I can bring to this other than my qualifications and my mm. experience in actually doing that? Like, mm. what is it that I can bring to this? And I came back to this idea of writing as a healing process. Mm. And that was basically the process that I went through mm. when it came to that point that I was in you know, a new mom, I had a small child and I was recently separated and I had started a blog at the time to kind of diffuse my own confusion around certain things um, in, in that sort of new mum phase. And that platform eventually evolved into a, a place to talk about things that were important to me, like doing divorce differently and being a single parent and, and, and addressing 
those things, you know, because there is a stigma to being a single parent. It doesn't matter how you got to be a single parent. As soon as somebody finds out that you are one, Mm -hmm. then they have all these assumptions about how that happened. Um, Or -hmm. if you're divorced, they find that you're divorced. They start to pity you because, oh, you know, you must have gone through all of this stuff. And Mm -hmm. well, yeah, you know, you go through a whole bunch of crap when that Mm -hmm. happens, whether you divorce amicably or not because that is a huge transition in your life. That is a huge phase of stress or of grief or of, you know, whatever it is that you go through. And just because it is a a challenging time, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing or that it's the wrong thing. And people look at divorce as a wrong thing. Something went wrong, right? Something broke, you failed. And that, like, society has that you know, in general, largely, right? Like not everyone thinks this way, but there is kind of still the generalization of divorce is bad, something bad must have happened, somebody must have done something wrong and and this whole mentality around divorce. And I didn't want to be in that space of, oh my God, you know, I'm a divorced person. Like when, when it actually happened, that was kind of, in retrospect, I realized that that was the part that made me the most upset about the the end of the marriage was, oh my God, I don't want to be a divorced person. I don't want to deal with all the crap that comes with being a divorced person because we have, I mean, we have divorced people in our family and for the most part, they were not positive experiences. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to the judgment that you already have when you're like, yeah, I'm divorced or yeah, I'm separated or whatever it is. Right. And, and just having that ability to say to other people, you know what, there's a different way you can do this. And you know what, even if your divorce was the worst thing ever, you can still change that, right? Even if your ex-partner is not up for it, I'm glad that mine is. We had a, a you know, we, we say, you know, if you can do, do divorce right, then I think we're doing pretty good, you know? Um, but even if you haven't had that experience where it was sort of, you know, fairly easy or amicable or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it wasn't easy. Like, let's be honest, it wasn't easy, but, you know, it was amicable. And even if you haven't had that from the beginning, it's still something you can achieve. Or even if it's something that you cannot achieve from both parties, you can still be empowered from that experience. You can choose to not be a victim from your circumstance. You can choose to learn from that opportunity and grow. And that's that's what challenge is really. When you, when you come across challenges in your life, they are opportunities for you to learn and opportunities for you to grow and decide what you want to do with what you learn. And through that process, through the writing, the mummy blog, through my journaling, just, you know, random things that I thought of things that frustrated me, things that I didn't understand. You know, I, I had a small baby. I had, you know, I was, you know, went from being a woman to being a, a first time mum to being a, a separated mum within the first sort of five months of my son's life. And as well, still on maternity leave, you know, and, and through that process, I was able to heal through the use of, of writing. And it wasn't writing for anybody else. It was writing just to process my thoughts and just to, you know, work through ideas and and things that I was thinking about, things I wanted to do. And, and it was during that period where I I asked myself one day, and this was a question I'd asked myself quite a few times, what am I going to do now? And that time the answer was anything I want, literally anything I want. And that was a really scary thought. <laughs> I thought, what, what can I do? I could literally do anything I want. And I mean, it took a long time to actually do the thing that I wanted, but that was a really liberating and empowering thought to have. And that came out of that process of me exploring things through words, 
which has always been my default, right? Like I've always been like the writer. I always write things down and process things through writing. And so when it came to finally setting up my publishing company, I thought something clicked in my head, healing. Why is this about healing? Because it was for me and it can be for so many people. And so that's why I created my programs around this idea of, of using writing to activate your healing journey, right? You share your story because you want to help others. You want to heal others, but in the process, it keeps healing you. Even if you've done all this work to, to heal whatever it is that you're healing from, you can still heal through the writing. Things that you don't even know are still there. And as you work through the process, and I'm finding this with my authors, as they're working through the, the sessions that we have together and the writing process that they they go through is they find new things to, to think about and they find new ways to, to frame their story so that they can use that to empower other people. And it finally feels like after all these years of all that study and all that work, this is what I'm meant to be doing. This is my soul work. And you know, it's, it's, it's still in the early days, but it's something that's going to make an impact. Just like that, that book that we didn't really know what was going to come out of that more than 10 years ago, that is the kind of impact that it's going to have just on a larger scale. And that is why I'm so passionate about words because words have power. And I was actually, I was listening to one of those episodes, um, one of your, your other episodes, and it was the one on the gratitude. And she was talking about how we have power in our thoughts. And it's so true. I mean, that's how you manifest things, whether they're good or bad, right? <laughs> and, and, and I mean, that's how I manifested my broken ankle. Actually, I literally screamed that day. Oh my God, I need a break. Cause I was just super frustrated. And then I literally got a break. So I was like, yeah, next time I better be careful. <laughs> but, um, and, and, and she said, <laughs> yeah, I know it's ridiculous. Um, but in this episode, she said that she, understood the power of the way that she thought and the and the and the, the effects it had on her life and on her illness to think differently and to use that gratitude and to create the life that she wanted and that's kind of the same um approach that I take with the writing is that words have power and the words that you choose have an effect on what happens after that and they even say, like, if you're if you're religious, if you're a Christian, I mean, I'm not really religious, but I am Catholic. And I have a lot of uh, friends who, who are, and they say, speak life over whatever it is that you're talking about. Speak life over your business. Speak life over your family. And don't dwell in the words that draw in the negativity, that draw in, you know, the darkness. And, and that's the same concept. It's just choose the words that you want to affect change in your life, just, you know, on your own or on a greater scale. But it's so often that you actually don't know what you really want, isn't it? It's mm. so often that you write something down or spell something out, put something mm. into words, and you suddenly think, what? What did, you, what <laughs> did my fingers just write there? And it's often a, a shortcut from your soul out onto the paper. And the moment yes. you see it, then wow, okay. And and that that's a beautiful thing because when mm -hmm. when else can you actually 
have that feedback loop to deep, deep, deep down into your mm. recesses down there. And writing, Absolutely. journaling, yeah. a diary can be so powerful to do that. And that is what you mm. what you have experienced throughout your whole life. And it's amazing that that it keeps coming back to you like 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 a frisbee yeah. <laughs> that you throw away and it just no, a boomerang, not a frisbee, a boomerang sort of coming straight back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how many it times really did does. you have to throw the boomerang until you actually got the message? Okay. <laughs> oh, so many times. I mean, 10 years, like 10 exactly. years of, 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 say, of knowing that I'm meant to do something yeah. with this and being scared of it mm. or overanalyzing it mm. or second guessing myself. I mean, imposter syndrome. Oh my God, don't even get me started. Tall poppy. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Tall poppy in Australia and New Zealand oh, is. is just, you know, oh. it's just the worst. And, and you grow up like that. And even if you've got a supportive family, which I'm lucky enough to have, there are people around you who don't want to see you grow too big. And, you know, you start going, oh, look at the thing that I just achieved because you're so proud and you're so excited and you're so happy. And all of a sudden someone chops your head off because it's not okay to be proud. It's not okay to celebrate your achievements because apparently that's arrogant. So, you know, you, you have that conditioning from society <laughs> that you should just be quiet and you should stay small and you should just like, you know, be like just accept whatever whatever happens and just, you know, do that, do that job that drains you for the rest of your life and I'm just like no I hate it I don't want to do this anymore and I mean I did corporate for for 11 years and and the last job that I had went went across seven years and it changed so much in that time from what I started doing there and there were some amazing people and there were some not so amazing people but in in essence the job itself and the environment was not right for me and and I know that a lot of people are finding this and in particular women and especially mothers when they go back afterwards um, are finding that quite a soul draining type of of experience to, to return to and that's exactly what I was feeling at the time I just felt like I can't do this anymore and I, I even said that to my boss I said I can't go where this job is going my, my brain is not meant for this stuff that is happening in this job. This is not the job that I took seven years ago. I don't enjoy it. All the little bits of the job that I do enjoy get taken away by automation or by, uh, you know, recalibrating the organization to whatever new vision the CEO has or the shareholders have or whatever it is. And I'm just tired. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of not doing well at my job. And I mean, I'm up for a challenge or I wouldn't have started a publishing company, but there is a difference between being positively and uh, challenged and empowered in, in the challenge compared to constantly feeling like you're fighting to be able to do your job. That's not a good environment for anybody. That isn't like an invitation to be stressed out for the rest of your life. And that's just not something I was willing to go through. And that redundancy was a blessing in disguise for me because it was like, okay, you can't do this job anymore. No worries. Here's money. Go do whatever you want. And, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and it's interesting that, that you were saying, you know, when you, you speak these words, you don't know what you want. I literally said, oh my God, I need more money because I'm in the process of buying this apartment. And the next day, which was the day after I submitted the loan application, I was made redundant. And I was like, okay, 
<laughs> Yay. Um, That's right. You got that wrong. Whoever was listening, no, 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 no. You read that wrong. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. it was really, it was a really interesting experience the way that everything happened. And, and, and I think that it's just, I would like to change that perspective. And I think that's one of the main values I have behind what I'm doing is I want to change the perspectives that people have about the experiences that they have. Because even if something sucks, there's still something that you can learn and take away from that. And it de depends on how you choose to view the experience. So you can choose to be like, oh my God, you know, woe is me. And I mean, I've done that. Everyone's done that. But do you get stuck in that loop? Or do you take a step away from that loop and go, okay, I could stay there in that little, you know, abyss of thoughts that are just dragging me down, or I can go, what can I do with this? And it's a question that you have to ask yourself a hundred times over because every time a new thing happens, you go, okay, what do I do with this? What can I take away from this? What can I create from this? And it's a completely different mindset. It's a completely different approach to doing stuff. And it's not easy. It's not, I mean, it becomes easier, but it's not easy. I mean, and that you is, have to learn that is, to do it. You is, have to teach yourself. Absolutely. So that's the mm. Romina right now, the empowered woman, the woman mm. that her great great grandmother would be so proud of, uh, coming through such a. I mean, if you look back at the suffragettes and look back at at women who were fighting for their first bit of empowerment, and now compare that with looking at you being calm, serene, yeah. I'll do a publishing house. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. You know, come on, come on. So this is beautiful, beautiful to hear. And that's your strength. You have gone through that. But why did you not fall into the temptation to go for the poor me, poor me, poor me another one? Um, for example, alcohol. Would that have not been an easy, an easy way out? The mummy wine culture. You know, mm. it is. Yeah. Why did I, suppo you I suppose so. Well, I was never a big drinker to begin with. So oh, <laughs> probably okay. wouldn't have been my default thing. Um, when I when I do get emotional or when I do get stressed out, I tend to eat chocolate. So that's my my vice. <laughs> there, is, there is chocolate, you know, in, in my pantry at all times. Um, but I get to the point where I'm like, what am I doing? I get to the point where I annoy myself. And I'm like, <laughs> and, and, and I think that probably because I am, I'm not a very patient person by nature. And so I get to this point where I'm just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and, and I would not watch somebody else do this and not say anything. So why am I doing it? And, and I guess I'm lucky from that perspective because it's, you know, and, and, and also one thing I didn't want as well was other people's pity. I, I wanted people's support, but not pity. And I thought, well, everyone, if I, play the victim, which I didn't, at the beginning, I felt like, oh my God, I'm lost. And I don't know, you know, a, a huge life change, right? You're a new mom. You suddenly are not partnered and, you know, all the stuff that, that happens and you go, oh my God, you know, my life is like completely different now. What am I going to do? What's my life like? What's the future like? Because you've projected a life into the future, right? Because you, you walk into these things having ideas about what's going to happen with your life. But the truth is we never really know what's going to happen with our life. And so you, you walk into that with these ideas and then you lose these ideas and you have to create new ideas, which is actually super great. But at the time you go, oh my God, I don't even know. What am I going to do? <laughs> and so I thought I can stay stuck in this, oh my God, loop, or I can go, okay, 
let's just move forward and then, you know, move back and then move forward again and move back. And it's a stop start thing until you get more practiced and until you feel more in control of yourself and the things that you want until you have more clarity. Um, and so I didn't want to have this, you know, oh my God, poor Romina. Oh my God, you know, all this stuff. I would prefer to have, hey, do you need help with whatever? Do you want me to make you food? Yes, please, because I hate cooking. Or like, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? And and that's a way more empowering journey. And it's way more, um, not that I set out to be inspirational, but when people learn about the way that you can do things, the way that I've done my journey and the way that women that I work with have done their journeys, that actually becomes inspiring simply because of the way it was, you know, not because you, you wanted it to be that way, but because you said, okay, this is what I've done. I felt like this is a good journey. I feel like I've learned stuff that I can share and help other people with. And then, so they learn from that and go, wow, actually I could be doing this differently, or I could be helping this other person do this differently. Or I could help my clients do these things differently. And that is really like, it's, it's a really great feeling to have because you feel like you are, like if you can help one person think differently or one person do things differently, that is going to have a snowball effect because then that person's going to do the same and then that person's going to do the same. That person's going to help three people and that person's going to help 10 people. And it just goes into this huge ripple of change in the way that people think in the world. And we really need that right now. So true. So true. Mm. What you have described is essentially recovery. That mm. is exactly what you, where you end up after you have gone through darkness with drugs or with alcohol, where you've gone through darkness with depression, and you come out the other end. And there is a certain process that happens, and it's it's actually virtually always the same. You 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 recognize you're in trouble, and you admit that you need help, and then you find the help. You you align yourself with people who have been there, done that, where you want to be. Somewhere mm. in between, you have to decide who you want to be that's fair call mm. um yes. and but then once you know that and you've aligned yourself and surrounded yourself with with people who are truly on your side and by your side now that's where the real journey begins and we're all on on such a journey but you have no idea where it leads you you just see yes. a very winding path and as you say <laughs> you 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 constantly change because constantly there's another challenge coming in or another idea coming in or for you 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 work with different offers so the moment you go through a more emotional topic with an offer and guide her or him through it inevitably that will bring up some memories in you and maybe some not so nice things in you. When this other person talks about grief, you might suddenly realize, actually, there's quite a lot of work that I need to do because something, you know, suddenly you get mm. really, really angry about something that he might have written. <laughs> then you realize, actually, why am I angry? Hmm. Hmm. And so, uh, yes, it yeah, is. It's a really interesting <laughs> uh, engagement isn't it like with with other people's emotional journeys because yeah. you can you can be triggered by something that they do or say that you know reflects your own journey or even yeah. you can take on their like I mean I'm an empath so that's already <laughs> that's already a recipe for you know um I'm not going to say disaster because it's, it's not really a disaster but 
sometimes I will take on that energy and go, where did yeah. this come from? This is not even mine. Yeah. And then you have to go and, and, and be aware of that and yeah. release that because then you start bringing it into your life. And I mean, mm. I'm not going to lie. It's hard sometimes to release mm. other people's energy that just like sticks to you. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's, 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 a, it's a delicate journey. And it's not one that I would take with my authors without recommending that they ensure that they have the right support mm. for whatever it is that their journey is. Mm. Um, I mean, I went through my journey through writing, but of course I had the support of, of a counsellor that was appropriate for the time that I was, you know, needing that support. And I had, you know, the family and the network that I, that I have. Um, and depending what kind of experience you've had or what kind of trauma you've had, then if you're going to willingly walk into a journey where you're going to probably be triggered, then you need to have the right kind of support alongside you. Because as much as this is healing and as much as this is definitely going to have an impact on the way that you think about your story, there are probably going to be some moments that you're like, what am I doing? Why am I going back here? And it's going to be hard to remember why you wanted to do it in the first place, which was to help someone else not have to go through that or to get out of the same thing that you went through. So true. So mm -hmm. true. And that's, I, I can very much relate to that because as a doctor, I am intimately involved in lives that, that cross my path. And sometimes I am there when these people make life and death decisions or when I actually have to make a life and death decision for mm -hmm. someone and these are these are moments where where it is hard sometimes not to find yourself in the right place let me rephr mm -hmm. rephrase that a bit for me it's if there's a life and death emergency that's easy i go into that warrior mode and i'll do whatever needs to be done doesn't matter uh my emotions will not shine through i turn ice cold and what needs to be done needs to be done but if I have time to actually let the empath out, um, that yeah. has in the past at times led to beautiful moments when I was able to cry with a family who said goodbye to their loved one. And that is beautiful. I have no problem with that. But equally, at times, I have taken on so much of the suffering from others that I myself got hurt, deeply, deeply hurt and burned out emotionally due to that transference of of emotions yeah. so you're quite right this is a very very careful thing so sometimes you you open medusa's box and and you think bloody hell what did i just <laughs> stir up here this is not yeah. the hornet's nest this is all the hornets of this world and then another galaxy <laughs> air and that and it is what it is it is uh, but that is that is our our life and often enough, we are keeping ourselves so busy with social media and doing this and doing that and doing that. We don't give ourselves time to think. And therefore, we also mm -hmm. don't give ourselves time to heal. Yes. Whilst you are actually facilitating that healing because you ask people to write things down. And it takes a little while to write things down. It does. Do, do you feel a difference between writing things down by hand or writing it in the computer? Is Absolutely. That the, Yes. 
There is absolutely a difference. When you write by hand, it's actually making your brain work differently. So it helps with memory. It helps with distillation of the ideas that you have in your head. And so what I usually say to people, I mean, I always say, okay, if writing by hand is not your thing, okay, fine, find the way that works for you. But the important thing is to get it out of your head because when it's in your head, you're you're connecting with it in a different way. Mm. You start analyzing it and you're all up in the mind. Mm. And so if you write it out, and in particular, if you write it through by hand, then you are grounding it and then you are removing yourself from it to some degree so that you can connect with it in a different way. So you can have some level of, of objectivity to what you're trying to, to write about or process because we're not always writing it down to share it, to distribute it. Sometimes we're just writing it for our own purposes, but we still need to get out of the loop that you get stuck in in your brain. You need to have a different way of looking at it. And so I usually say to my clients is write it down, preferably in a notebook, but if not, type it out, record an audio memo. If that's, you know, if you're an oral um, learner, then Mm. that is probably a better way to do it for you. I am a visual kinesthetic. So if I record stuff and then listen to it, I will literally fall asleep. I've done it before. I've fallen asleep in, I fell asleep in a conference call with like the partners of our department looking at me so <laughs> priceless yeah not an oral learner at all i had to type or write constantly during my uni lectures or i would fall asleep so find the way that works for you and then connect with that in a different way and if you do the oral thing like if you record a memo you will inevitably have to write something down so don't think you're getting away from writing mm. um <laughs> But it definitely helps you to connect with it in a different way. And I absolutely personally feel a difference in writing by hand compared to typing it out. I feel like typing is way more just stream of consciousness, just like, and I'm not really, um, I mean, that's a good thing sometimes. And I I do um, advocate for channeled writing or free writing, whatever you want to call it, where you just write and don't think, don't analyze what you're writing, don't judge what you're writing, don't analyze or edit or do anything to what you're writing, just write it. Um, And for me, it works way better when I do it by hand. And this is an exercise that I like to do with, with many of my clients is just write whatever comes because they often say, I don't know what to write about for my blog post, or I don't know what to write about. I don't know what my story's about. I don't know how to turn my experience into my story. Right. And I'm just like, okay, that's okay there is a process to this. We don't just sit there and magically write a book, right? I mean, some people can do that, but in general, that is a process that happens over time. There are many iterations of this book or of this story or of this blog post. It's not just magically, yeah, let's write one thing. It's perfect first draft and we publish it. Okay. That's not reality for most people. Um, I'm pretty sure even like the bestsellers (laughs) is not a reality for most of them. And on top of that, they have editors. So you know, get that thought out of your head. Um, and so what you do then is you you write this, whatever comes to your brain, even if it doesn't make sense, don't analyze it, don't judge it, don't try to like fix it while you're writing because you're going to cut off the flow. Editing and writing are two different processes. Your brain works differently when you're doing them. Don't do them at once. Even if you're experienced, if you're doing this as a channeling exercise, don't do that. So once you've written everything, then you can go back and go, okay, what came out? Why did this come out? It will give you more questions or it will give you clarity around certain things. And then you can take that and create your piece or you can take that and ask more questions and do more writing. 
And you can use that as a way to work through your thoughts without having any intention whatsoever of publishing that into the world. It works for, for all different purposes. So that yes. is what I, I really find empowering and healing about writing. Absolutely true. This is sort of a, a book that has always lives with me. Um, you know, I put some bits on the front that that speak to me, and no one no, no one can nick it and think it is his because there are some very <laughs> private very private things in there. Um, yeah. But I uh, yes, it is my 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 life, I guess, to a certain degree. It is sort of I'm I'm writing things in there. Then okay, today these and these patients I've seen, etc. So it's it's a diary, but at the same token, I make a point. I force myself sometimes to just write something down. And A, it amazes me what comes out. And you're right. The handwriting in its own right gives me one thing. The speed writing, uh, on the other hand, has surprised me in the past. When I was writing for Kaiser and Reich or, or My Steps to Sobriety, equally, I had moments when I had writer's block. And mm. I didn't know what to write. And I drove somewhere to a lake and forced myself, okay, you just write now. It doesn't matter what comes out, you just write. <laughs> And I find that much faster on a, on a computer. I'm, I'm mm. quite a fast typer. And suddenly mm. I was amazed what came out there. Where the hell is this coming from? And I just mm. kept going, kept going. <laughs> and half of it was rubbish, but half of it, uh, as you said, brought me forward. Mm. And as again, it's a using, using techniques to ask your brain certain questions. And sometimes you don't even know yes. which question you're are supposed to ask. So therefore, that's no. the free writing coming in, where you just exactly. say, okay, let's write. And then yes. from there, you can actually then take it. Uh, it's the same, but, but I guess to, uh, what people do with meditation, what people do, do mm. with sensory deprivation, uh, etc. You You give yourself, actually, you press the pause button and yeah. actually connect with something in there and let it come out. And that's beautiful. Mm. It is. We oh. actually use meditation in the in the programs that I run. All right. Um, and before we do a session with each author, we'll do a little meditation that's designed to help them with the theme of that session. Yeah. So if we're connecting with their story, working out what they're going to say, I have a meditation that's about, you know, what do I need to share? What am I supposed to write about? What, you know, the question can literally be, what am I supposed to talk about today? Yeah. What am I supposed to share with the world? Like, it doesn't have to be something so targeted. That's like, what is my story about? And how is it going to, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's not about that. It's just about the first step and then the next step and then the next step. Mm. And it's, it's so, and, and same, same as with typing, like you can still do it with typing. I'm not saying that doesn't work. I just prefer doing it by hand. If it's about, um, clarity because it's it's a different process when you do it by hand and if you don't have clarity then it's for me beneficial to do it in a, in a notebook or something um but you can absolutely just type it up and and i often work with my clients that way actually i have clients that are writing like book clients and then i have clients that are um content clients and a lot of the work that we do together is we come together in a session and then go okay i need to fix my website copy or I need to write a blog post about this thing and here are my dot points and I don't really know how to make it good and so what we do in that session is we just talk I say okay talk about your thing doesn't matter if it makes sense just talk and we'll see what happens and what we do in that process is draw out the essence of what their experience has been or or the message that they're trying to convey or the work that they do 
And, and that's something that I've discovered through the course of my work that I'm actually really good at. And so what we do then is we sit there and I will literally write their copy live while they just talk about what they do. And then we read it over and tweak it a little bit and stuff. And then they go, oh, wow. Just from sitting here talking to someone about what I do, we now suddenly have this piece of usable copy and not only usable copy, but feels aligned to them and they feel happy to share that other than rather than stuff that they've sort of cobbled together and go, oh my God, this doesn't really sound right, but I have to post. So here's my thing. And it's a different process. And and and, and I really like using these techniques because I, I want them to feel empowered. That's my whole thing about, what I do in my in my work and it came from my blog actually when I was doing the blog and I changed from the whole oh my god you know let's not be confused first time mums to let's actually talk about the issues then I had people reaching out to me saying oh wow that actually really helped me Hmm. and that made me feel like I can make choices or I can make changes and that became a value that I built that that site on was empowering women especially mothers And that's something that I've brought into my business because that's important to me, empowering them and using words because that's where I shine. Like that's my thing. People, some people are, you know, motivational speakers. Some people are super technical, amazing wizards who create all these things. And I'm looking at, oh my God, how did you even make that? You know, everyone has their area where they're amazing at something and, you know, zone of genius. And, you know, old me would have been like, oh my God, I can't say I have a zone of genius, but everyone does. You know, <laughs> I know we are so so. Uh, it is our nature to put ourselves down. We mm. never celebrate our achievements. We never, well, most of us, we, we feel mm. bad about accepting a compliment. You know, yeah. oh, you look, you look really nice in that. Do you think I'm fat? What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I mean it really. It's lovely, lovely hair. Oh, my hair's not right. What do you mean? Uh, it is so bizarre. But that is how yes. we are how we are at times hardwired. And mm. that is something that we really need to take a big screwdriver and have this vinyl playing and go <laughs> that it will never play like that again because you need to celebrate your little achievements. You need to celebrate that you have just written 2,000 words. Do you mean mm. sometimes you need to celebrate that you've written one sentence? Because you had a bloody block. And the sheer fact that you wrote one sentence is amazing because your kids are screaming and you have to do 15 other things and who does the shopping, especially a single mom like you. There you go. And a single mom, not as a label, but simply as a role because you are juggling a hell of a lot. So, you know, it is what it is. So therefore to actually, so do, when you write yourself, how do you write? Do you write early morning before the kiddo is awake or how do you play that? Um, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I am. Oh, speaking of the kiddo. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> interrupting. Um, I'm not a morning person, so I, I tend not to write in the morning. I used to be a super late evening night person and I would write best and work best at that time and even during uni I would do all my assignments then um (laughs) and and nowadays what I've actually done is I don't try to do my work or my sort of hobbies really when my son is there because I want to be present with him and I have the flexibility now to do 
that to take him to daycare and to, you know, he calls it school because he really likes it. And he wants to go and learn and, and, you know, so take him to school <laughs> and to go places, go visit his grandparents or go on little road trips or whatever it is. And so the times where he's not there, when he's at daycare, when he's with his dad or with his grandparents or, or you know, wherever he happens to be, that's the time that I have for my stuff. And so I have created schedules for myself for each day because each day is different where I have blocks of time to do certain things. And so that way I am sort of eliminating the guilt that I have around the things that I'm not doing because, you know, mum guilt is real. And um, so in certain blocks, I will do house things. In certain blocks, I will do client stuff. In certain blocks, I will do like, I'll sit there and watch Netflix for an hour and not feel guilty because that's what I'm supposed to be doing in that time. And so that's what I do with, with finding my writing time. I have time where I block off time for doing my work like my business content and I'll sit there and it's usually a time where I naturally flow. So it'll usually be in the afternoon. Um, and if I'm writing on um, like if I'm working on my book or on, on my group book that we're in the process of producing um, I will do that at times that feel aligned for that work. Um, usually in the afternoon or in the, after my son's gone to bed. And that's the time that works best for me. Some people might write best in the morning. Some people like to get up and actually write, um, they do gratitude pages before they start their day. Or some people, they will just sit there and write their dreams because there'll be ideas and things that come from their dreams. So they keep a dream journal. Or some people will just get up and go, okay, I'm going to make a list of the three things I'm going to achieve today. And anything else is a bonus. It depends on what their their approach is, what their mindset is, you know, how their brain works, how they like to do things. It's all different for everybody. I like to have a list of um, just all the things I have to achieve in like, till the end of time and then I kind of cross them off because seeing that visually eliminated to me feels like I'm making progress I really need to see visual progress of what I'm doing and it's been an interesting recent experience where I'm actually in the process of finishing my unpacking from a move a few months ago and decluttering and sorting and organizing and stuff which I really enjoy but feels depressing sometimes because in order to create order you have to create disarray and so if you were to look at my office floor, there is stuff all over it. There are boxes and rubbish and toys because, you know, toys you know, are just everywhere. And <laughs> um, that is really depressing to me. So when I see something completed, like you can see this um, cupboard thing in the background, that is a visual marker for me that I made progress last weekend because that thing got organized and you can't see the bookshelves, but they now have books in them. <laughs> and for me, that's like, yay, that's like the little work checklist that I have or the house work checklist that I have. Uh -huh. That to me shows me that I'm making progress. And that's just the way that I work. Other people are just like, I don't have to have that. I can have my little, um, digital calendar reminders. I hate digital calendar reminders. I'm like, do I, you know, an alarm is enough. I already have to get annoyed every morning turning an alarm off. Why do I have to have these things popping up at me? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's what I do. I create pockets of time that are dedicated to specific things. And then within that time, as long as I get something done related to that theme mm -hmm. of that pocket, then I'm happy because I feel like I've done something rather than trying to do all the things at once or trying to go, which one should I do first? You know, it's it's just like spinning around in your head and you go, oh my God, I'm not doing anything. I'm just arguing with myself. Exactly. <laughs> and that is so beautiful. And that is exactly, that's one chapter in my book, which I'm actually saying, you know, set your priorities and mm. try to achieve those things that you, that are important for you right now, but not mm. important because 
it is social media or something like that. Try to to see what is your vision, what is your mm. your your goal out there, and then try to figure out okay, what do I need to do to achieve that goal? And try to do at least one thing every day to work towards that goal. Now, if other things yeah. align, that's cool. If the whole day falls apart, that's cool too. As long as you've done one thing that allowed you to get closer to where you want to be and that is such a powerful thing and and it's the, the, the old the old story of the professor in front of the, the class has got the little pebbles the large stones the sand the water etc and basically put in the big stones first but for that you need to know what are the, the important bits in your life for that mm. you need to think for that you, for that you need to stop for a moment and say okay who am i right now is that a person i want to be mm. and if yes congratulations i'm so pleased for you uh chances are no and then the question <laughs> is yeah who do you want to be when you grow up and it doesn't matter if you're 70 or 17 who do you want to be and what do you need to do to be that person and you have yeah. found that for yourself you have come you've made peace with the chaos you have mm. accepted the hour of me time, let it be Netflix, let it be having a spa, whatever it is, that is your me time and you're celebrating it. The chocolate, you're celebrating it. Congratulations, <laughs> you're an addict as far as sugar is concerned. But oh, that's, that's, <laughs> it is what it is. But yeah, everything in moderation, okay? So, in, in, and that's what I love to hear. You have, you have got many, many, many of the habits that successful people have and that, that alcoholics and recovery have gained the hard way because <laughs> our life has been chaotic in the past. I give you that. <laughs> so, these kind of things. So, and that's the same with mental health. Um, you create a clarity, you create a mission. And that is really, really, really exciting to hear so to to see you shine and to see you going out there and actually achieving what you want to achieve after many detours in your life that's cool okay we all detour so many and exactly <laughs> <laughs> i know that's normal that's normal i always keep saying if you're traveling from here to honolulu um how many times do you think that the pilot is actually on the on the right course <laughs> virtually never <laughs> Because it's always going like that. It's always going like that. And some lives, it's going like that. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> where am I to judge? I was there. <clears throat> Mine was a roller coaster. <laughs> but <laughs> I've, I've made a conscious decision now to seek serenity, to seek authenticity, to seek the, the true me. And for that, I, I needed to stop. I needed to pause. And I still need to every day, mm. really. Need to give myself if i don't do it for a few days i'm getting really ratty i get, get angry and then you think what the hell is going on because <laughs> you're in complete survival i'm complete survival really rolling with the punches because i only respond to what is out there i'm no longer in control mm. you put yourself in control that's what you tell your mums you put them into control again of a very chaotic world that they had never experienced before, especially when they're first mums. So it's such a catastrophic thing. 
with, with all the hormones thrown in for crying mm-hmm. out loud. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, it's it's. I was on the receiving end with my wife when she went through two pregnancies. So, and and I wouldn't have it any other way. But that's that's you guys. That's you with these two silly X chromosomes. You oh, they are going. <laughs> No, it is. And you're right. I mean, there, there's so many different factors involved. In, and if we don't give ourselves the time to have that clarity, we don't really realize what's happening. And we definitely respond instead of, you know, act and, and make conscious choices. And I mean, I'm far from from removed from being in that responsive space of, you know, of, oh, you know, maybe I had a really bad night of sleep. And so the next day I'm really crabby. And so I'll just respond to everything. And if I don't take the time to go actually, no, breathe and just, you know, send to yourself and then act, then we have a really horrible day at home. <laughs> so, you know, and, and as much as you can teach your children certain ways and, and, you know, you can try to teach them mindfulness and things that we, we talk about fat belly breathing is what we call our, um, you know, mindful breathing. Um, cause he goes, Oh, my belly's fat. You know, when we first started doing, <laughs> we started doing it. So that's what we call fat belly breathing. But if we don't, um, I mean, we can only teach them so much because they're so small and they can, they can learn and they can absorb so much, but their, their mental development is, is limited compared to what we have the ability to do ourselves. And so really it falls to us to have that responsibility of how do I react to this? How do I create the space where this can, you know, be contained and and looked at from a, um, a positive and empowering perspective. And I mean, that's really hard. That's probably one of my hardest challenges as a mum. And I'm, I'm sure that even if I wasn't a single mum, I probably would still have that same challenge because that's just my personality and my, my, my temperament is like that. And mine's just like, if I get stressed, I'm just like, I grow, right? That's just how I am. And, and I work at that because I don't want to be like that all the time. You know, sometimes you can't help it, but you can help it a lot of the time. So true. And that's, yeah. And that's, that's, if you, as you were saying, you have to stop and give yourself that moment to get clear on what it is that you want to do. Who do I want to be right now in this moment? What do I want to achieve? And then make the choices or the actions necessary to do that goal. Romina, what a beautiful, beautiful interview. I mean, this is, you're so spot on. And I, I, I see a lot of uh, beautiful developments, transformations that you have gone through and the clarity of your thinking that for many people is very foreign. And it's lovely to, to, to have you guiding, guiding people out there. So if people are Thank actually you. thinking, wow, okay, she really touched a, <laughs> touched a nerve there. Uh, how can they get hold of you? How can they work with you? Okay, well, I am mostly on Facebook. Um, I do have Instagram. Half the time I forget I have Instagram. <laughs> Probably shouldn't say that. Um, but my handle is Alchemy of Alignment. That's all one word. Um, and at the moment, we are working on our Mother's Circle collaborative book, um, which really ties all of my journey together, really. I, I chose that on purpose as the first program because it was the closest to my heart to to help mothers to share their stories and empower other mothers and you know um, use that as an authentic way to show up in business you know because they they sharing their story helps people understand how they can then help their clients um, so mother circle actually still has a couple of spots uh, remaining if anyone is interested in finding out about that um, and then of course I will have other collaborative programs and I'm in the process also of creating solo programs. Um, and you can find out about those on my website, which is just RominaCavagnola.com forward slash next. 
um, for whatever's coming up. Beautiful. Yeah. Romina, thank you so much. It was such a, a beautiful, beautiful time. I'm very oh, humbled you. that you shared all this, these beautiful things with me. Romina, thank you so much. And you guys out there, you know, what have you got to lose? Why not get in touch with Romina? Why not check her out? <laughs> you know, if you've got an idea in your head and you think, hey, actually, this was exactly the pause button that I need in my life now. And it's a time to reevaluate my own values, my own, my own thinking, my own being, then using your words and, and putting them down on paper can be such a powerful thing to do. So it really can. Absolutely. It might very well be the one thing that changes your life forever. Mm. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so true. So true. Now, so you guys out there, look after yourself, stay strong. And Romina, thank you very much again for a lovely, lovely interview. Yeah, Stefan, thank you for having me. It's been great. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye bye.